And good morning, good afternoon, good evening, ladies and gents. This is a boy Casanova from Orlando, Florida, on this awesome and international podcast. Good wine and great laughs, season 7, episode number 7. And today's topic is the great debate between Dr. Michael Eric Dyson and the Honorable Judge Joe Brown. We will know shortly the type of wine I am drinking, so ladies and gents, let's get this party started. Let's go! And ladies and gents, once again, this is Boy Casanova from Orlando, Florida, on this awesome and international podcast, Good Wine and Great Laughs, Season 7, Episode number 7. Today's topic again is a great debate with Dr. Michael Eric Dyson and the Honorable Judge Joe Brown. And today is Saturday, September 16th, 2023. And the weather here in Orlandito will be mostly sunny skies during the morning and followed by thunderstorms in the afternoon. Highest of 87 and lowest of 74, ladies and gents. But before I jump right on today's topic, I will let you know about the wine of the day here at Casa Casanova. And ladies and gents, as I always do, during the week, I was searching for some wine and I always try to find a new wine that I never had it and I think could be interesting for today's podcast episode. So this wine is from Haslett Vineyard. This vineyard was created, was fun, founded in 1852 in Naples, New York and it's called the Red Cat Finger Lakes Red Wine. And according to the label in the back, it says the Red Cat is a sweet, fun, take-anywhere kind of wine. Impress your friends. Red Cat is an award-winning sweet red wine made from the native Catawba and red hybrid grapes. The red hybrid hybrids gives the wine that unmistakable sultry ruby red color and the catawba give it that sweet tangy zing you love but why is a red cat in a hot tub you ask well there's a legend too juicy to share here grab a red cat and get your party started enjoy it chilled enjoy often and once again, ladies and gents, this wine is from New York. Alcohol percentage of this wine is 11% per volume. So, let's see what the, the red cat is all about. Ooh la la. 
As far as the color is concerned, ladies and gents, it looks like a dark rosé. And once again, you will see the picture of uh, this wine on my... You can see the image of this wine on my YouTube channel. As well, you can see the picture of this bottle on all my social media, such as Instagram, face my Facebook page, Good Wine and Great Laughs podcast as well under the LinkedIn profile. I like the smell of this wine. It smell almost like a rosé. And ladies and gentlemen, this wine is, is sweet. And I would say is sweeter than a Moscato, but also it's not too sweet that it's going to give like, oh my God, feel like I'm drinking like a liquid sugar. You know, it's not like that. But it's a very, very good wine for those that love sweet wine. So you can never tell me, oh, Casanova, you never have any sweet wine on your podcast. That's a lie! <laughs> I have plenty of Sweet wines already in the past three years. And like I said, ladies and this wine is not about what I like to drink. It's about to bring a, a brand new bottle of wine every Saturday. Every Saturday is going to be a brand new bottle of wine that I never had. So I try all type of wine. So as far as my score is concerned, I'll give an 8 as far as this wine is concerned. For those people that love red wine... In the sweet wine in general, you will love you, you will fall in love with the red cat. Promise you that. Alright, ladies and gents, let me finish. Take another sip of this wine. And let's jump right on today's topic, ladies and gents. Well, like I always do, because my podcast is once a week, that means I'm busy with my work schedule as well. During the week, I do some search to find out what can I bring to for us you know, to listen to it and to have a discussion about it. So, I found this awesome YouTube channel. It's from the Wilmington Library channel in Wilmington, Delaware, not Wilmington, North Carolina. And they had this debate that happened on November 3rd, 2022, even though this event happened almost a year ago, 10 months to be exact, the topic that was, the topics that were discussed and were, and were presented by the moderator for Judge, the Honorable Judge Joe Brown and the Honorable Dr. Michael Eric Dyson to discuss even like I say, even almost a year, it has everything to do what's going on in the United States nowadays that reflect all aspects of politics, gun violence, you know, and so much, much more. So let me play this video, this audio right here, ladies and gentlemen, so you can listen to it. And what I'm gonna do is, even though this video is about one hour and 53 minutes, but I'm not gonna play 
Oh, this one now in 53 minutes of it. I'm going to play the first 15 minutes of it, and then I'm take a quick break and I come back to another another 15 minutes, and then I'm gonna give my true sense like I always do and what I think about it. But if you want to continue to to listen to it or watch this video, if go to my YouTube channel, Good Wine and Great Laughs Podcast, and you see under the season seven, episode seven, there is a link that is going to take you directly to the debate so you can watch and continue listening to this great, great discussion, this great debate that happened, happened in Wilmington, Delaware, now sponsored by the Wilmington Library, ladies and gents. Time pause the background music here real quick. And... <clears throat> And we're going there right now. Here it comes. The Winter Library presents live debate night with the Honorable Michael X. Dyson and We're Judge trying to encourage Joe Brown. thinking and intellectual stimulation because we're kind, most of us are spend our time behind screens and on social media and social media has these things called algorithms where it strategically just pairs you with people and clips that, that they think that you like and you agree with and so what that does is that that puts you in a, a digital eco chamber where you're just around people that think like you talk like you and what happens is it caricatures people that disagree with you and so, you know, it, 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 it labels, you know, liberal people as, you know, free huggers, radicals, crazy woke people. And it labels, you know, MAGA Trump supporters as, as all of them being white supremacists and horrible people. And the truth of the matter is, is that they're, they're good and bad, bad people on both sides of the political spectrum. And in order for our democracy to to be stable, I mean, we're going to have to go back to, we're going to have to veer back to a place where we don't hate one another, but we just disagree with one another. Because the truth of the matter is, is that we all, we all want the same things. We want a good life. We want great kids. We want safe schools. But we disagree on the direction that we should go to get there. So, with further ado, I'd like to introduce um, the moderator for today's event. Mr. Brandon Bryce, he's the director of uh, philanthropy at uh, United Way. <clears throat> so I'm going to turn it over to him. So on behalf of the Wilmington Library staff, welcome to Chopping It Up with Judge Joe Brown and Michael Eric Dyson. Thank you, Jamar. Oh, thank you, Jamar. I'm a pretty loud speaker. How's everyone this evening? Are you ready? Are you ready? All right, like we say, let's get ready to rumble! Let's do it! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the main event! All right, folks, without further ado, ah, let it go. Bring it down. In the ring! Let's get ready to rumble! X61! The one, the only, Michael Eric Dyson! 
y'all ready for this? From Washington, D.C., Judge Joe Brown! All right, folks, this is the clash of the titans. We're going to have a conversation and actually have what we call barbershop talk. That means real conversation, real news, and real dialogue this evening. All right, gentlemen, please take your seats. I have Judge Joe Brown on my right. Oh, gotcha. And I have <laughs> Dr. The man, the myth, you see him on MSNBC, you see him on all publications, Michael Eric Dyson. So, gentlemen, thank you. All right. So this is part of our Chopping It Up series. And we wanted, these were questions that came from the greater Wilmington area about how do we fix issues in the black community. All we ask is that you are honest, straight to the point, and keep it real. All right, first question. You know, it's unfortunate we, and if you've heard, we've lost one of the Migos characters, uh, Takeoff, due to gun violence. My first question will go with you, D Dr. Dyson. What is the biggest issue impacting black males today? Well, first of all, it's uh, great to be here. Uh, with uh, Judge Joe Brown, a legendary and iconic figure uh, in our community and indeed in the nation. So it's uh, an honor to have this little tete-a-tete and uh, conversation with such a distinguished figure. Um, obviously, what's confronting young black men, lack of resources, lack of employment, lack of education, uh, the flooding of our communities, and indeed this nation with guns. Um, back in Judge Joe Brown's day, back in my day, there was a resolution of you know, uh, disagreement with fisticuffs. Sometimes in a dice game you might get cut. But the, the rapid proliferation of access to guns has led to a devastating consequence for so many of our communities. So we can talk about the ethical and moral outlook that we should encourage, that most black communities encourage uh, upon our young people to take care of their self, themselves, to get educated, to do as best they can uh, in the culture. Uh, we, we go to church, we go to temple, we go to synagogue, we hear the moral lessons being encouraged upon us. But when I look at the devastating consequences 
of the hatred of the other, what used to be called black-on-black -black crime. People kill where they live. 93% of black people who are murdered are murdered by black people. 83% of white people who are murdered are murdered by white people. If you want integrated killing, have integrated communities. The truth is that there is lateral violence. And the violence expressed of one black person to another in intimate spaces where people are killing folk that they know or are familiar with. Because if you had a game, you at least got to be introduced to somebody. Um, and even if he's a victim of either friendly fire or incidental violence, the tragedy is that our communities are gutted uh, because of the devastation of the downward turn in the economy, the lack of access to resources, the failure uh, to understand the necessity of a certain kind of preparation that we take upon ourselves, and as well uh, the ways in which we have been discouraged from believing that our lives are worth something. That doesn't come out of the thin air. That doesn't absolve people of personal responsibility to address the situations in which they could discover themselves, but it's also a collective and institutional enterprise as well. Same question for you, Judge Joe Brown. What's the biggest issue impacting black males today? All right. Let me start off with a little example to explain it. Anybody in here afraid of me? No, you like me. I've taken martial arts for 55 years, and there are not many adult humans I can't kill without a weapon very quickly. But you're not worried about me because I have character. I'm here to protect you, not to hurt you. We're seeing a lack of character in our community and across the United States because we are out of balance. We need women and we need men, but we have attempted to emasculate our communities and we have no fathers in the homes, we have no fathers in the hood, we have no culture that is putting fatherhood out there so that the boys understand that they are to grow up and be men and being a man, your job is to make where you live a better, safer, more secure place filled with economic prosperity, sense of purpose, morality, and ethics. You are men of public peace, dignity, and order who can be brave and courageous when necessary. And if we do not teach these young boys that, they grow up to be monsters because they're out of control. Now, as a pragmatic matter, I got elected to two eight-year terms as a criminal court judge in Tennessee. And over that time period I was in, the statewide recidivism rate for felons was 80%. In my courtroom, I dropped it down to 18%. Anybody that I put on bond, anybody that I put on probation, you had to deal with Judge Joe's counseling sessions. And I put manhood in their heads so when they looked in the mirror in the morning, they had a guiding factor. So whether it was shame, whether it was guilt, they would look at themselves in the mirror and say, did you do what you were supposed to do as a man yesterday? Are you going to do it today? Are you going to prepare to do it tomorrow? And they come up to me now, 30 years later, and they say, Judge, you remember me? Uh, no, sir. Well, you gave me some time. Did I give you enough? Uh. 
Well, you know, it was that thing about manhood, and now I've got four children and six grandchildren, and I teach them what you taught me. And I've got 15 young men in the neighborhood that I'm trying to counsel so they become positive factors. So when I do that, I don't think it's all worthless and there's no purpose. There is a reason. And even if I'm not here tomorrow, I did something to help the other people see the daylight at the end of the tunnel and I've become a hero. That is what I'm trying to do. We have to put character back in the hood. I passed the mic. <laughs> All right, Dr. Dyson, this question is for you. Uh, given the political climate today, before now, what efforts have been made individually and collectively by the Biden administration to understand what black America experiences today? Well, obviously, uh, the Biden administration has made certain strategic moves, certain substantive moves, uh, certain political moves, and certain legislative moves, right? So when you think about the fact that Biden committed to run with a black woman, right, the first in history, and then put a black woman on the Supreme Court who's already earning her keep by asking penetrating questions by being far more vocal than the black man who occupies that space, right? When Judge Joe Brown talks about character, it ain't just in the hood, it's those who wear hoods, right? And um, I, I think it's, it's critical that uh, Joe Biden's symbolic, right, symbolic in terms of black women in these kind of critical places are also symbolic gestures, although they have substantive impact, are also accompanied by uh, efforts to redress the economic inequity in the country. So when you see Republicans pushing back on right now, the ability of black people to be able to, as other citizens, enjoy $20,000 of reparation, if you will, for student loans. The right wing is organized against that because it's not explicitly racially based, though it has racial consequence. They are arguing against that because it helps black people. Again, who could take a lesson, not only the Migos, but the right-wing Republicans who refuse to acknowledge the systemic complicity and white supremacist orientation of their entire tradition, trajectory, and history against the betterment of the masses of people, including, by the way, poor and working class white folk, right? So they need character too, all right? Um, Joe Biden, in terms of trying to put forth, what, arguments about distribution of resources in terms of health care, trying to extend what has been called Obamacare to protect it. The Supreme Court so far, surprising to many, including uh, Chief Justice Roberts, have protected uh, that particular uh, health care a mandate that has been translated into legislation that has helped millions of people uh, in our communities. The attempt to even reduce, and the judge and I were speaking about this earlier, uh, the disparity between powder and crack cocaine. We know it was significantly reduced, but it still needs to be reduced. And then the other day, 
of freeing all those people or insisting that they be freed who were put in jail for abusing some weed. Now again, right, we ain't trying to justify folks smoking weed because most of y'all in this room done smoked it. You just ain't got caught, so you going to church and acting like the Holy Ghost got you <laughs> when you barely skated through on that sticky green. So, at least I've, I've heard that. I've looked at Joe's Judge Joe's court, and I've, I've seen that. I'm not sure. So the thing is, is that there are strategic deployments of messages to the black community, of substantive uh, messages to the black community, of substantive politics to the black community. Does there need to be more? Yes. We'll look at what happened with the IRA. The point is that the black farmers were left high and dry so that Attorney Benjamin Crump is suing in order to get restored to them the reparative monies that were delivered to them, or at least promised to them, I should say, uh, because of the systemic inequities that farmers face. So yeah, there are a patchwork of legislation, of strategic and symbolic gestures. And let's be honest, when the judge speaks about character, he's right. Look at the orange apparition that beclouded the American horizon for four years and that continues to do so. Thank God Elon Musk didn't own Twitter then because he would be standing up every morning to excrete the feces of his moral depravity into a nation he's turned into his psychic commode. <laughs> so for me, it is both policy, it is practice, it is behavior, and it is tone that is set as well to open ourselves to a white supremacist demagogue with crypto-fascist impulses and neo-authoritarian impulses needs to be held in check. So even though he's an old white man that folks say is, you know, on the downswing, I disagree with that. He's an old white man doing what he does. We got Judge Joe Brown up here, 75 years old, and as sprightly as anybody up in this room. So I say I love older people doing their thing. Let's keep this man in office a little bit longer to see what he's going to do. Judge Joe Brown, same question with you. Uh, the Biden administration, helping or hurting black America? Your thoughts? Let's put it this way. First off, I was a lifelong Democrat. Now I am an independent. I played football in high school in L.A. at Dorsey High and also at UCLA long, long time ago. I remember I detested and despised our quarterback. I hated his guts, but I blocked for him because he delivered the passes that got the touchdowns made that got us to the championship. All right? Don't have to like somebody to go for them. Now, that said, I detest and despise the current president. Fifty-some years ago, I was down here in Dover doing research for a D.C. think tank that I was interning for. I heard a commotion outside, and I went out, and there was John B. Stennis. There was Eastland. There was Fallis. That's the guy that stood in the doorway of Little Rock High School said those young Negro, black, Afro-American, African-American black students, some of whom I have met in life, were not going in there. Erd was there, and they were introducing the new up-and-coming Dixiecrats. And a Dixiecrat 
and I saw a young man with a ducktail looking back like he was back in 1950-something, said some of the most disgusting things I'd ever heard said about my people in the White House right now. Now, you have to look deeply at what is actually going on. Let's take the forgiveness of the student loan thing. Sounds good, except when you back off any place in the rest of the world that you had a four-year college degree, you would be firmly in the middle class. In the United States of America, the Labor Department has said the middle class makes just one person 125000 a year, and that is the cutoff point for any relief under this thing with the student loans. So when they're giving you relief, that is a testimony that something is wrong here because you're not making what you ought to make with your education. Meanwhile, let's back off. Was it wholeheartedly done, or is there another purpose involved? Well, if you are a bank or a financial institution, you no longer have to wait for these loans to be paid off in installments. You get all of your interest and a complete repayment on the obligation all at one time. You can discharge people in your loan collection departments. You don't have court costs and attorney fees to take people to court. You make a ball. Meanwhile, some people are happy, but their financial circumstances still haven't changed, and they're not in the middle class, even though they've got a four-year degree. Why is that? Because the country is not dealing with what it ought to deal with because computerization and industrial technology have made most working-class people obsolete. So there are not enough jobs going around to enough people, so what we do is the same thing when we have a surplus in any kind of commodity, whether it is wheat, corn, cotton, or people, we do three things. We store the surplus. That's the jail cell instead of the grain silo. You have the subsidy of the would-be producer, that's the government check that people become too dependent upon. You pay the farmer ordinarily, say not to draw or grow soy, and you cut back production. Well, the farmer doesn't grow soy, but in our case, with all the negatives on social media, entertainments, the kids bang out, drug out, drop out, get pregnant too early, too often, don't develop any vocational skills, any academic excellence, they have wrong ideation, they turn where they live into chaos-filled uh, areas, they just are unemployable, and when they get that first felony, then you don't have to worry about them. And why is that important? Because there's some guys, one of whom was named Timothy McVeigh, get real worked up and they go down and buy $250 worth of ammonium nitrate fertilizer, and they go blow up a courthouse in Oklahoma City and kill 240-some people. Well, they don't want that, so they come up with a safety valve. You have schoolhouse to jailhouse pipelines, and you put people who are in a position where there's surplus to the labor requirements in there, and everybody gets to talking about free to righteous brothers in the penitentiary, which that has some traction. But I know from 50 years in criminal law, you have 97 plus percent 
who pled guilty. They didn't get found guilty. Got 84 to 87% that confessed. Some people are not guilty. They're a not guilty people. I got the youngest person in the world off death row. He was 15 years and two months when I got a stay of execution, 23 minutes before they were going to execute him in Arkansas. Now, yeah, there are things that happen, but we have to develop this character thing so you don't get people put in or robbing their neighbors, raping their neighbors, gangstering their neighbors, killing their neighbors, and trying to deal with a new thing, which is suicide by a neighbor rather than suicide by a cop, and get themselves in a mess where we have to worry about where we go at night, when we go there at night, and now in the daytime. See, there are some things to be done, so don't worry about whether you like somebody. Just think of it as you're on a team and even if you don't like your quarterback personally, you want him to throw that touchdown pass and you block for him. Now, speaking of education, uh, and I want to ask both of you this, this question. This came from the, from the audience. What are your thoughts? I'll start with you, uh, Dr. Dyson. What are your thoughts on critical race theory? Some say it's telling the truth on American history. Others say it's anti-American rhetoric. Your thoughts? All right, ladies and gentlemen, on that note, I'm going to take a quick, quick break. When I come back, we're <clears throat> going to right jump on that question again and the answer from Dr. Dyson and the Honorable Judge Brown. I'll be back shortly. Let's go jump on the second and final block of today's episode. So let's jump and continue this awesome debate. Uh, and I want to ask both of you this, this question. This came from the, from the audience. What are your thoughts? I'll start with you, uh, Dr. Dyson. What are your thoughts on critical race theory? Some say it's telling the truth on American history. Others say it's anti-American rhetoric. Your thoughts? Yeah, well, and, and I just want to amplify what the judge said. Character, again, you know, when you got your family to hook up in the White House as your advisors, when you're using American economy as an extension to bankroll your own practices and commodifying cultural consciousness and political practice to serve your own venal vicious ends, they ain't got no character. And you talk about white crime, white collar crime versus blue collar crime, and, and it's true. And the judge is absolutely right. Ain't nobody arguing. This is no brief in defense of thugs. But there are thugs everywhere. And the thugs have to be called out where they are. We know one group will be identified because what the judge is speaking about, the reason y'all amen in it, y'all believe 
that if you do the crime, you should do the time. Y'all believe that you shouldn't be, your community should not be rife with all kinds of moral pollution. But the other side, they claim they believe the same thing. January 6th proved they don't believe none of that. They don't believe no blue lives matter. They were devastating the police people on that day. They don't believe in the Constitution, the Declaration of Independence, the Bill of Rights, the Federalist Papers. They took a Confederate flag, the banner of disloyalty, and drug it through the United States Capitol, the very embodiment, symbolically speaking, of democratic practice, small d. And then imagine if a brother or sister thugging out had thugged up on that darn, put his feet up on Nancy Pelosi's desk. Oh, and by the way, the other day somebody went to her crib. Speaking of thuggery, speaking of lack of character, the white supremacist crackerocracy, the rule, reign, and tyranny of white supremacist ideals, norms, and values, I'm talking specifically about that, show themselves to be bankrupt. So Juju and Jamal and them need to be held to account, and the rest of these thugs need to be thrown in jail who work for us in American democracy. Now, to answer your point about education, um, <laughs> critical race theory, and we again, we have one of the most distinguished jurists in our nation sitting on this uh, platform here, right? Critical race theory is a legal theory invented first by Derrick Bell, right, who was working with James Meredith in Mississippi and then became the first tenured law professor at Harvard University. And Kimberly Crenshaw, Gary Peller, Marie Matsuda, Charles Lawrence, right? It's a, you know, you would call it an egghead theory in the sense that us eggheads, philosophers and theoreticians and academicians, we up in the academy, we're coming up with very practical considerations that have theory at their base. And all critical race theory says, when it comes to thinking about institutional racism, don't think individuals, think institutions. It's not whether or not you call me the N-word, it's whether or not the tax base will determine who gets an education and who gets the best education. Or the tax base and the property base will determine the distribution of goods and resources for education. So you might have a 70, 80, 90 million dollar school out in the suburbs of Philadelphia or in Delaware and in the inner city barely running water with textbooks still second and third hand. So critical race theory is simply saying as a legal philosophy, let's think not individual but institution, not particular persons but systems in terms of the uh, force and function of inequality in America. They ain't teaching no fifth grade students no daggum CRT. These white folk for the most part and Negroes too who are against CRT wouldn't know the difference between CRT and OPP. <laughs> right? And so critical race theory, I've taught it for years. It's a philosophically dense, theoretically uh, propitious, very concentrated form of thought about the social structural inequities that prevail that disallow certain communities to inherit goods and services for which they pay their precious tax dollars.
So CRT is critical and necessary, but what they're trying to be against is the, the teaching of history in general. If you look at Ron DeSantis, what he did when he signed that anti-CRT bill was saying what? We don't want white students to be uncomfortable. Guess what, homie? Discomfort is the basis of true education. Unless you hear a judge, Joe Brown, go against what you think is the commonsensical way, and he twisted with his homespun genius, you're going to get uncomfortable because he's spitting some truth into you that you don't want to deal with. But that will motivate you to think differently about your situation. We are not here to make you comfortable. We are here to tyrannize your comfort when it rests upon inequality and the refusal to acknowledge the humanity of the masses of people. So CRT ain't about darn trying to t make white folk guilty. It's about holding to account what the judge said. If it's good for the goose, it's good for the gander. These lack of character having politicians who refuse to abide by the same principles that they live by. Let us have the same insurance you got up on Capitol Hill. Let the masses of American citizens enjoy those privileges. So for me, it's about anti-education. It's about, look, they love history except when it comes to us. 15,000 books on Abraham Lincoln. Books on, uh, books on even Aaron Burr, who as you know is, is, is uh, Raymond Burr's cousin. All right, I just want to see if y'all knew Perry Mason. I'm just, I'm just saying, right? So the point is that critical race theory is a theory, a legal academic theory that got taken by a young white student graduated from Georgetown who, when reading the anti-racist literature, discerned the repetition of citation of critical race theory and said, that will preach to the conservative firebrand. I can use that to manipulate the consciousness of poor people, of working class white people, and of ignorant people of history to make them believe that what they're trying to teach your kid is critical race theory. No, we're trying to teach them about democracy. We're trying to teach them about white supremacy and slavery. We're trying to teach them about the beauty and the power and the Beauty, the, the, the elegance of the country in which we live, and some of the historical factors of the brutality and ugliness that we did at the same time. You can't love some history. Either you love history altogether, or you don't love history at all. They reenact these Civil War battles. They dress up. They put all the costumes on. But one book about black slavery, oh my God, no. One book that talks about 1619, oh no. The point is, either you are deeply imbued with a historical consciousness and an appreciation for history, or you ain't. Gore Vidal had it right. We live in the United States of amnesia. And many of these folk believe that Barbara Streisand supplies the theme song. What's too painful to remember, we simply choose to forget. And if you don't like Barbara Streisand, Gladys Knight did a hell of a remix of that song, too. All right, all right. I want to segue the conversation. Uh, it was mentioned, Blue Lives Matter was mentioned, Judge Brown. I want to ask you, um, do you believe in the concept of defunding the police? How should policing be reformed today? Well, since I'm running for mayor of Memphis, I have an extensive and very detailed plan to do something about it. 
No, the police do not need to be defunded because crime is rampant everywhere, including in the black communities. What we do need is a total revision of the structure of the typical U.S. police department. Police department needs to be restructured like the U.S. Pentagon in the Department of Defense. You have a civilian commander-in-chief, that's the president, a civilian secretary of defense, one over the army, one over the navy, etc., etc., sub-secretaries who are civilians. We need the same thing. We don't need civil service chiefs of police. We need civilian directors. We need sub-directors over homicide, uniform patrol, sex crimes, property crimes, traffic, etc. We need direct communications input by the citizenry. You have a thing that you can see in good operation down in Detroit called Dads in Schools. And we need the same thing where we get the people in the community who are allowed to participate and go out in patrols, regulated, along with the police so they can say, young man, come here, what do you think you're doing? We need to talk with you. And we need to start putting the civilian context back in what's going on. And the other thing is, is that police, in my experience, have been a one-one reflection of the political realities in the area. If the police don't treat you like anything, your representation is not good. Examine the people that you have chosen to represent you because they're not doing their job. All right, ladies and gentlemen, like I say, this is going to be just, it's not even half, uh, according to the time, it's only 35 minutes of the whole debate. And like I say, I'm not going to play the whole thing here because it's going to be too long, but I hope you enjoy this part that you're listening to, you heard on this podcast today, and my two cents about this whole debate is that I advise you to click, go to my YouTube channel and click on the link that's going to be provided for you to watch the whole entire debate. Take your time, relax, bring your family, bring your kids, bring the young man in your family, because this is a very important information that they need to listen to it. You know, once again, I got nothing but respect for Dr. Dyson and Dr. Joe Brown, great minds that need to be now not used, but you need to learn from their advice, advice for life because they are great minds why they're still here on this earth. Now is the time to have opportunity to learn from them. You should. All right, ladies and on that note, I'd like to thank everybody that listens to this awesome and international podcast. Good wine and great laughs. Podcasts come all the way from the bottom and move all the way to the top aim to be the number one spot. Please feel free to visit my YouTube channel, leave a comment, subscribe, and click on the like button as well on the notification button. I appreciate you keep sharing this information and this link with your families and friends. Once again, this is boy Casanova. Please be safe, be kind, and be blessed. And I'll see you 
next Saturday. Hello. I want